0: Welcome, everybody, to Sticks and Giggles, officially. I mean, we had a soft launch. This is our hard launch into the actual podcast. Uh, I am Laura Lebo. I'm your host. Uh, these are my guests, Ryan Zeitz and Dan Rosen. Welcome, both of you. Thank you for being here. Hi. 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 Uh, we were, uh, yeah. just before uh, we found out we were actually recording this whole time, uh, we were discussing um, astrology. And I just wanted to say that my theory on astrology is that everybody, like everyone is a skeptic, but but also everyone in the world is has a small bit of narcissism inside of them. And secretly, every skeptic is like... It's bullshit. It's bullshit. But then, when you ask them what their sign is, they're so they're so fucking excited to be like, "I'm a Leo." I don't even know what that means. I guess I'm like a king or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, so, but Ryan, I believe you that you didn't know. What your sign was that is such a cancer thing to not know your own sign
1: <laughs>
2: you've just outed me as a cancer to the entire canadian oh, jewish so news podcast <laughs> Listenership. You're right.
0: that's your choice to make when you come forward about that um i actually love cancers no. just so you know cancers are like a water sign they're very emotional um they uh, have a lot of feelings and so far i'm getting that from you you, you seem like a crier are you a crier? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I, it definitely doesn't <laughs> help that i put in eye drops recently i have chronic dry eye i just saw saw my doctor and he's like you gotta put these in like five oh times God, like a day so that's definitely dry not helping you've got like eyes. resting cry
1: face <laughs>
0: arresting cry face. Wow, chronic dry eye. That's a, a nice Jewish ailment to have. That takes us nicely into our subject. Uh, we're going to talk about chronic illness and comedy. Uh, first, my question is, so how long have you guys uh, both been at comedy? Uh, Dan, when did you start uh, stand-up?
1: I started probably around, I mean, I really started, I'd say about five years ago. I There were like a little bits where like, you know, I do like one or two open mics at like one in the morning and then I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. And then I stop for a bit and then And I start again. But about like five years I'd say I've really been trying.
0: Okay. Uh, what about you
2: ryan uh i started i took a class at second city nice. in the summer of 2019 and kind of just i got in like a couple of months and then the <laughs> pandemic's like actually no you're not meant to do this and uh and it's been nice getting back and starting to do it again
0: did you do Zoom oh shows? So, so many Canada? You did so Good many for you man yeah because you know those early years uh when you are hitting all the open mics and stuff are like some of the best <clears> most <throat> thrilling years Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm glad to hear you got some, some version of that, you know, even just over zoom. Um, but the reason I asked is because, so I'm curious about, uh, how much your chronic illnesses factor into your material. And, uh, if so, like if it does, how long it took you to start talking about it on stage, if at all. So Dan, do you, do you talk about chronic illness in your material?
1: Uh, I do a lot of, uh, yeah, like Crohn's disease material. It's started off when i first tried stand-up i was like with a bunch of friends we were workshopping and they all said like you gross like don't talk about that uh other friends of mine who are con- like i mean none of almost none of those people are doing stand-up anymore anyways but then i had a story about having an enema that went wrong and uh getting ready for like bowel surgery and the host who is uh, of the show that night who is hisham kaladi said like oh, that's a good story. You should, like, work on a few of those and have, like, a oh. type 5 or whatever on Crohn's disease. And then you'll be able to, like, okay. you know, that will really help. And so then I started doing more of that. I ended up doing a one-man show called Game of Crohn's. Uh, now, that's more, like, storytelling, so it's not straight comedy, but it's mostly comedy. And then, uh, yeah, so it it comes up. Uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like it comes up a lot. I usually do at least a couple chronic illness jokes every second. Okay,
0: and so you started from the outset of your comedy. You were ready to talk
1: about it. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of, I think, what inspired me to do comedy. When I first had my first uh, surgery, after my first surgery when I was in high school, uh, what was it, mcsweenies.net had this, like, you could do these open letters to people or entities who are unlikely to respond, and so I submitted an open letter to my removed bowel <laughs> obstruction. Uh, it didn't get picked up, but that was, like, the first time where I was like, you know what, I think, this, I, I think there's some funny stuff about this. Yeah. Like, it's a fart and poop disease, uh, so it is, like, pain. Painful, but also objectively funny in my, in my opinion. Thank
0: you so much for acknowledging that farts are funny. I think as a community and a society, <laughs> we so rarely discuss that. And I really do believe that they are very funny. Yeah. Um, respect. So that's what pushed you into.
1: Thank you. I agree. Oh, yeah.
0: That's what pushed you into doing standup. Um, <laughs> And, uh does it help you process does doing stand-up help you process the the shape, shape i think so yeah. yeah
1: it well kind of like yeah i feel like it takes away the like severity of yeah. it in a way like because it's like it kind of takes away its power over you and like it and now like if something happens i'll be like you know i bet i can get like a 20 dollar bid out of this or like you know whatever like you can get something yeah. yeah like good out of it or it just always like helps keep things in perspective so it's not as like sort of pushing you down what One comment I that I've gotten from feedback from people who've seen Game of Cones, for example, is that they liked that it wasn't a heavy show that it wasn't just sort of like, oh, my crones and doing an interpretive dance about how horrible I felt (laughs) just being like, oh, like, yeah, that joke about you shitting yourself walking home with a friend like that was really funny and also very relatable.
0: Really quick side note. I just had like a flashback. Um, I did a show, I don't even know, like seven years ago or something. And it was like, you had to pick a piece. Okay, you had to pick like a piece of art or like something. And then you had to do stand up slash like an, an interpretation of it. Anyway, all I remember is I took a picture of this guy's haircut Um, in my computer science. I was taking like a coding class. And this guy had a very interesting haircut. And I took a picture of it and I put it on a projector. And then I did an interpretive dance of how his... of what his haircut looked like and like i fully repressed that memory until this very moment when you said intuitive dance anyways just for posterity i wanted to remember that i did that um okay ryan what about you do you talk about chronic illness on stage
2: i actually almost exclusively talk about my chronic dry eyes (laughs) (laughs) no no no, Uh, no no so actually recently like i've been i've been very very i'm my chronic illness is mental illness uh, I have uh, I have bipolar disorder and mm, I'm very mm-hmm. very outspoken about that and mm-hmm. it factors into a lot of the material that I talk about. I've actually even started nice. like a fundraiser show for CAMH to raise money for them for the CAMH Foundation, where everybody talks about uh, our various challenges with mental health and addiction. And um, so it's really a, it's a part of, it's a part of brain. your
0: act, like concretely a part of your act.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very very major part yeah. of my act. It wasn't wasn't at the beginning. It was comedy was like like i, I only started doing comedy cuz i was like in the throes of like i think my third like major major massive bipolar depressive episode of my life in the uh, the winter of 2018 and it lasted about like 4 or 5 months and uh and i think around that time uh there was a netflix special that came on tv or well on, on netflix uh called comedians of the world and uh, and i saw another canadian comic's uh, ivan decker's special on there and it was just amazing and that was like Probably the first time that I smiled or laughed or did anything to yeah. kind of express joy in like four months. And my dad kind of recognized that. And he's like, why don't we take a class at Second City? That could be fun. And that was like the first thing that mm-hmm. kind of got me back into the world in 2019.
0: Wow. So had you not considered doing standup prior to that?
2: Uh it's something that the that my dad and I had discussed like in passing over many many years. Back back like thirty years ago, he did some of like the open mic scenes. He's like your typical dad who thinks he's a comedian. I think uh, he did he did he did do like one <laughs> corporate show for and I'm gonna blank on it. It was like the Transit Authority in Brampton oh, or that's something. A like, thirty years that ago. Gig. <laughs> but but. Uh... <laughs>
0: dad got that no way I was wondering who got it
2: (laughs) yeah on this on the on the merits of his Marceau Marceau impression
0: that is so dad that that gives my dad the the dad part of my heart the the warmth um but 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 so but you were not like a uh somebody who was always thinking about doing stand-up maybe and then like going back and forth on whether you're gonna do it like your your last uh bout of chronic illness is what really pushed you into
2: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. like comedy was never really like i was always you know typical funny kid in school or whatever but like i was i was a whitewater rafting guide before i went took a comedy class so
0: that is so incredible it was a complete left turn i think so the, the reason i ask about whether you guys talk about your chronicles on stage is because um i feel like it is a it's an extremely vulnerable subject uh, especially if you are in an acute uh flare-up of your particular illness it's very hard sometimes to gain like some perspective on it or to see the levity in it uh and and you're just sort of bogged down in it so the fact that you guys both really early on started talking Mm. about it um it's first of all impressive and also makes me feel like uh it's stand-up is obviously (laughs) a crutch
1: a crutch perhaps uh, yeah (laughs)
0: Well, you know, that's always a thing, right? Like um uh how much how much of of talking about in- incredibly personal stuff on stage is uh, funny mm. and good for the audience and enjoyable for the audience and-, and truly helps people watching and then how much of it is there for you, right? Like, there's really a fine ass line um, that you have to draw and I think it's a very you have to be very nimble to figure out that line. I certainly haven't uh, personally figured it out. Do you guys feel like you have?
1: Not fully, personally I, um, like I was watching like Taylor Tomlinson's that they a special look at you where she talks about her mental illness and there I was like wow that was really good and I've seen some <clears throat> Toronto comics who have really great bits about uh yeah because sort of like at the end of the day like you're supposed to like it's the job is for the most part entertaining drunks Absolutely. in a dark basement and so uh like as how much like gauging the room also if people are like having a nice dinner during the show how much do they want to hear about my diarrhea uh and how much do i maybe need to like pivot to other jokes as well
0: and if they want to hear about your diarrhea too badly you don't want to give them that you know what i mean it's like they want it too yeah, exactly. badly. yeah exactly
1: yeah otherwise it's desperate. Exactly. yeah
0: <laughs> it's embarrassing for them yeah. um
2: What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a a really, really fine line to try and figure out because like I think something that I've struggled with is figuring out how to take yeah. something that's like really, really sad and turn it into something funny. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, like, so I'm, I'm very, yeah. very big on on content warnings and stuff like that. I, I put content warnings mm-hmm. before my shows where I'm going to talk about mental illness. I put content warnings. I do, I do a content warning before I mm-hmm. dive into the depressive material, and uh, I'll give, I'll give a little content mm-hmm. warning here to just kind of overlap what I'm about to talk about. That that we're like Okay, and I'm gonna, if, if gonna give
0: a spoiler yeah. warning on your content warning. So that if people don't want spoilers, they shouldn't listen to your <coughs> content warning, because then they're gonna know what we're gonna talk about. So spoiler, spoiler alert. There's a for content sure, yeah. Warning coming. So uh, okay, it's just Ryan. Part of my content warning. warning. It's like <laughs>
2: Doctor Strange. No, but uh, but no. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I mean, uh, quick content warning. Like I do talk a, a lot about about depression, about medication, mm-hmm. uh, electroshock therapy, uh, suicidal ideation, and stuff like that. And and I think it's really difficult to yeah you know, to kind of toe that line and be like, hey. If I'm talking about how I was contemplating hanging myself, well, mm. where's the funny in that? And I think because at the end yeah. of the day, our job is to be funny. That's like the number one goal. Like it has to be yeah. funnier than it is sad, but it is kind of sad. And so I think yeah. it, especially that kind of material I put at the end because like you have to build up so much rapport. Mm-hmm. You can't just walk on the stage and be like, hey, you don't know yeah. me. Here's how uh, here's the intricacies of trying to hang yourself in a basement <laughs> apartment. What? I touched the ceiling <laughs> <Yeah>. standing up. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to do all of my, all of my material here. I'm not going to do that. But like, but like, so I mean, there, like there yeah. is some, some funny stuff. And I think ultimately if you're able to joke about something that is so dark, I think that that means that at least like some small level of healing has occurred, which I think is super important. As well.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I think one of the things about when you first start stand up, you're generally doing between <clears throat> five to 10 minute sets, maybe 10 if you're lucky, or maybe that was just my experience. But when I first started, it was short, short sets, right? And so I never felt like I had enough time to, uh, earn credibility with the audience as a funny person before I launched into talking about addiction or mental illness, you know? Um, and so I avoided it. Mm. I avoided that subject for many, many years. And then as I started to get more time on stage, it became like, uh, you guys want to get into some CT. It was like, um I I was I was never because I had never uh tested it, like like tested the behavior of trying that on stage, I became even more fearful of the idea of talking about it on stage. And so then I didn't do it, which reinforced the thought that i couldn't do it and it's it it was it has it's still an extremely challenging subject for me to talk about because i don't feel like i got funny off of that material um if that makes
2: sense kind of i i i didn't quite get under comprehend the last part
0: yeah like basically like that, that you
2: didn't get funny off of it
0: like uh that my 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 comedic identity, uh, is, is separate from it. And if I, if I bring it into, to, to, uh, if I bring it on stage, I'm gonna, uh, you know, not succeed. Or like, I know, I know what works on stage. And so far it's not been that I'll, I'll allude to it, but, but I think, uh, talking, talking about it, like the way you guys talk about it on stage to me is extremely, um, it's impressive, but it also is terrifying to me. I think it bodes well for you guys that you started pretty quick. Like, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty crucial t- to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you also probably need a little distance from it um, as well. Like, uh, like I know it, with chronic illness, you only get so much distance. But I think maybe even just being, like, a certain age, too. Like, you've been sitting with it for long enough that you've done it. That yeah, you've done agree. It I agree. I mean, possible. it's yeah, definitely... I think, oh, okay, oh,
1: like, I it- could... Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, the jokes that I've done, like, I mean, a lot of stuff that I talk about is, like, when it was, I've been fortunate that the last few years, knock wood, has been mostly in remission, but, so, like, a lot of it has been stuff that's happened long enough ago to be, like, all right, cool, like, I can, like, I've been able to, like, figure out, like, process and also, like, figure out what about the situation that was funny. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, like, it does sometimes, like, I usually, when something happens, uh and like even like recently something happened and so like I wrote down my notes or whatever about it and then I still like waited a little time before I tried it out at a mic instead of just like going right to the microphone like you know being like oh boy like this horrible thing happened to me I'm gonna find the first open mic that I can like talk about it yeah
0: yeah I um like I guess five years ago um I okay wait content warning okay spoiler warning content warning um uh miscarriages um illness uh hospital stays um fun for the whole Family, just a good time all around. Um, I had a miscarriage, but it was a it was an ectopic pregnancy, and so I it was like uh I was in the hospital for like uh, close to a month. I need blood transfusion, meds, and da da da. And um, the whole time I was in the hospital, I was writing. Uh, I wasn't writing them down, but I was I was synthesizing and generating jokes in my head. And then like mm-hmm. uh, I would I was let out for four days. Um, it was supposed to be forever, but it ended up being four days. I went to a mic. I think the second day that I was out, and so. Uh, um, it was like the, the exact opposite of what I had done with my mental illness which was avoided it like the plague. I was like let's just go. Let's just like get right into it. And it wasn't funny. Like I thought it was funny Um, and there were it would get a few laughs but generally um, people were super bummed out about it. Um, And I started to get resentful of them for being bummed uh, even though I had mm, not figured yeah. out how to adeptly like talk about it on stage. I'm, I'm wondering if that's an experience you guys have ever had where you like you resent the audience for, for uh, having like too much sympathy for you, you know. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, I mean, like, I def, I definitely related to 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 that point, and the point you made earlier, where you were like, yeah, it's like it's terrifying to talk about this stuff because, like, if I'm making jokes and opening up all this like very deeply personal information about myself, and they don't laugh, it's like you don't not, ju- it's not just that you don't like my jokes, you don't like me as a person, right? <laughs> like, if you don't laugh at my dick joke, cool, whatever. I wrote that on the subway on the way here. But this is like, this is yeah. who I am as a person mm-hmm. and you didn't like that. Yeah. And that, sh- so it's definitely been difficult to try and remove yourself from that. Like, like not every, not every audience is, uh, is down for, you know, the type of stuff that I was just talking about. I don't know. I don't know if I should do it like multiple, like every time I'm going to talk about it, do a content warning or if there's a content warning off the top with a spoiler. I don't know. I want to make sure that I'm... I think
0: off, uh, I guess with the, with the live streams, it's kind of challenging, right? Because people can mm-hmm. tune in and out. Um, so so we'll we'll just give a quick content warning uh, like uh we're really going to get into some we're shit. We're getting into shit. Okay? Mental mental illness, suicidal ideation, and shit. uh you know, just picture anything that you can <laughs> literal poo, diarrhea, um <laughs> if you it, it just 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 like the depths of our souls and our bowels and if you can't handle it just aware that it's um sorry go on right
2: but yeah but so uh, it's uh, like one of those things like again like if i'm talking about like how i was in the hospital for almost two months and had like these you know really invasive electroshock well now they so they called yeah. it ect it's electroconvulsive therapy yeah. and that's what people know is shock therapy or electroshock therapy i gotta stop using i, I try and always use like more of the colloquial yeah. language rather than the actual language i got to start doing that and then kind of explaining what it is because because yeah, yeah it's ECT it's actually a wildly humane thing to Everybody has so many misconceptions about it. I think that's part of what I'm trying to do with some of this material too is to educate in a way because there's so many misconceptions about uh, about what bipolar disorder is. I feel like anytime I've seen bipolar disorder portrayed in the media in like in in movies or TV shows mm-hmm. it's always like some evil crazy yeah. gene like like villain type character or somebody who's just completely unhinged and does tons of stuff and it's like, yeah. Like, you know, I mean psychosis you you can you can definitely experience some psychosis if you're in a particularly severe manic episode but like Mm -hmm. at least for me like i have bipolar 2 uh and that's like much more characterized by depression like i'll just go like four months without doing anything it's like where's that i want to see that on tv
0: (laughs) that's compelling stuff <laughs> no action at all. Um, no, yeah, I, I, uh, I feel like, you know, like with all humans, uh, every person is, uh, has many good qualities and is extremely flawed and, uh, certainly no stranger to literally every mental illness, uh, in the DSM. I think every member of my family represents like one, like, uh, illness. Um, but you know, uh, there's, there's, there are challenging dark elements of those illnesses and, um, that sometimes doesn't make like, a uh, everyone who has those illnesses the most likable person in the world when they're in an acute phase of that illness but the point is that if more like if there was more media from the person first person perspective of people with those illnesses, then then you can cover all of that without it just being like this one note, shitty, evil, scary character. You can incorporate elements that are dark or sometimes frightening with a but it's included in like a picture of a full full person. Um and I do think I it, there's a lot of talk these days about like um, you know, uh, representation and like um, you know, un, uh, uh, you know, undoing the stigma with chronic illness and mental illness and repre- whatever and it's like sometimes i think that we've come so far because there's so much talk but there's really only talk like there's a Mm -hmm. lot of talk and very little actual action you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i still see horrible representations of like all illnesses uh physical or mental chronic or otherwise uh on television you're like there's no world for anyone with this yeah, diagnosis this for you know?
1: Crohn's because Crohn's I don't think it's like it's not like a fatal fatal thing but it can really I mean some people have like really bad and it really messes up their lives and like I've had it more just like intermittently like sort of messing up my life temporarily here and there yeah. but it's funny because I've seen both sides where sometimes it basically gets compared to IBS also a condition that's not fun but like a lot more minor by comparison in media or then I remember seeing like The Night Before which is with uh, you know like Seth Rogan, Anthony Mackie and some others and Anthony Mackie's character is doing something. He's like oh I'm going to do this just for like a -A Make-A-Wish foundation for some kids with Crohn's disease. Like I was like well it's not like a like sort of like terminal illness either kind of thing. Uh, So it's just kind of funny where like it seemed like they were like oh yeah like what's some like illness that we've heard of that we can just like plug into the script or whatever. And so that's also why I was like (laughs) No one else is saying it like even because even there'll be like comedians or people in the public eye who I know have Crohn's but like, like Pete Davidson has Crohn's but he hasn't done jokes about having Crohn's and so I was like oh like maybe then yeah like I'll put it in kind of thing. To like, I guess, just to like sort of have it more yeah. accurate representation or just have it more like, yeah, discussed a bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I um, I went to uh, do you guys know May Martin, the comic? Yes. Uh, OK, so yeah. I went to a May Martin show last night. Um, they were uh, playing at the Danforth. And mm. um, first of all truly hilarious like i really laughed I, I laughed so hard it's quite rare that i can like really laugh at a, a stand-up comedy show these days i don't know why um but also their material is extremely compelling like a lot of stuff about um i wouldn't even say necessarily explicitly mental illness but just like the condition of humanity and my sister and i went together and i you know my sister i think was like slightly ambivalent she was excited but like and eh, not that excited to go um and then when she left she was like on a high and it was incredible mm-hmm. to to see like I guess I forgot the power oh this is so pretentious but the power of stand up comedy like it's really because I'm you know we're so used to just being in dank basements and doing like sometimes shitty shows where no one even has enough time to like really get into it but man can it just like dramatically change the course of your night and then your week and then your month like to feel seen and represented and heard like there's a there is massive importance to that um and it seems to me do you guys feel like you have not necessarily that entire weight on your shoulders but some weight on your shoulders uh to like provide that to people that are going through the same thing that you're going through yeah
2: i'd say i'd say so i mean i mean especially because i mean i'm trying to build a platform out for for cam h like that's literally the hospital that saved my life and i'm building this entire platform around it to be like hey come to this like i I think even the the way i describe it in 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 the copy of this show is like comedians sharing hilarious and inspiring stories of their Mm. challenges with mental health and addiction and i kind of want to set that standard right off the top where it's like hey this is what we're going to talk about and like come and you know we're gonna we're gonna have some laughs we're gonna have some tears we're gonna have a whole bunch of everything. At the end of it, everybody's gonna come come out of it better. Like there was a there was a guy, some one of the comics was doing crowd work last month in April, and somebody in the audience uh, ident- like self-identified as having bipolar uh-huh. disorder during that crowd work. And then they came up to me after the show, and we had such a lovely conversation because yeah. he had just just recently been diagnosed, and and we were talking medications and we were talking this thing. and I, I mean that's really what what peer support uh. is because that's actually that's what I do for work too. i'm a a mental health peer support worker and uh and so i mean that's the fundamental fundamentals of that is like here's a whole bunch of people that kind of have you know similar lived experience and we kind of all get in a room together and we talk about it and kind of you know there's no advice giving it's just like all Mm -hmm. talking about from my first person pov and if any of that is helpful great take as much of it as you want if if none of it's helpful that's okay too, and also just not like don't talk about things <laughs> that you don't know about either. You know, like, I think it's really important. Like it's really important. Like like I'm not going to go up there and make yeah. jokes about schizophrenia because yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have schizophrenia. I don't uh, I don't experience that. I think that and that's that's a standard that I like to set as well for for people who mm-hmm. are on who are on that show because it's like you know talk from your own pov because yeah. that's what that's what the show's all about i think it's really cool and empowering to have those conversations with people after the show I, I i like talking with people after the shows more yeah. than i like doing the show sometimes i can't say
0: i relate to that but good for you it's great i mean if you're having like really nice conversations that's amazing mm-hmm. That that's wonderful generally um the conversations i i have are like uh i generally don't find women funny but uh i like you to- <laughs>
2: That's, a oh, that's such a tired take I'm so sorry you have it's, to deal with yeah. that that's it's like very funny literally the worst it's
0: mostly funny because it's I feel like I'm like rehearsing a play when that happens or where it's like each person thinks that they are uniquely saying that like that they've generated that as a unique human viewpoint and then I have to play my part you know what I mean it's like oh I've rehearsed this thousands of times like you know what I mean like you're just a different actor in this part um tangent what I was gonna uh, ask you guys is do you remember so I uh Okay, I'm not gonna project here, but i I wondered if like when you were initially diagnosed uh what what some of the uh, feelings and emotions were around that like for me loneliness and and a feeling of like isolation and loneliness uh, were very acute uh when I first realized I was an addict. Um, I am curious what what kinds of feeling was when you
1: uh well for me i was 11 so i it was like a bit i was almost i think a bit young Mm -hmm. to like fully process and not understand i was just like oh phew my dad said it's not fatal um but then i think a big part yeah like was because like 25 years ago like no one talked about bowel disease and i know it's like again sometimes i feel silly saying that because i could like i find like stuff like what ryan's talking about is more almost urgent or like "Mm, the stakes are higher in a way but uh it is one those things where, uh, yeah, because if I was like constantly going to the washroom or whatever, like I remember once I had to like take a dump twice in one class, and the teacher was like, You already went to the washroom. And then a friend of mine, thankfully, at that point, I had a friend who understood this was like grade okay. eight, so I was like 13, and he went out like whispered in the teacher's ear, and then she was like, Dan, you may go to the washroom, like, kind of thing. Um, And then at the same time, also being the little, like, shit disturber I was, sometimes then using that to my advantage and also being like, oh, Tommy hurt, I better go, kind of thing. But it was one of those things at first where I was, like, sort of, like, no one, like, yeah, like, sort of, it was like, oh, like, Dan, he's got that thing that's wrong with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, l- loneliness and isolation are, are uh, in the early stages of, of any chronic illness, I think, I think, like, pretty universally a major feeling, which is why um, talking about it on stage, like, it makes a huge difference, it really does, and, and I think sometimes, uh, I don't know, you, like, forget, or I'll speak for myself, I've been doing it for long enough now that sometimes what I'm talking about on stage feels quite rote, I'm like, like, I don't even, I don't even know what I'm saying, I'm just like, yeah, this joke, this joke, this joke. Mm-hmm. Uh and then someone will come up to you and like either like a joke or relate to a joke or say like it meant a lot to me, and it you glue back in that they're that you're saying words and an impact um you know what I mean. Um, so yeah i I think it's truly yeah. crucial to talk about. I also curious about uh okay so there's uh, a big like hustle culture hustler to stand up right like there's a mm-hmm. lot of um maybe it's less so now but but I think it's probably still the case like especially when you're starting and you're doing open mics like that if you are not pushing your body and your mind to the limit every single night um, that you don't get to be included in the community in the way that you're supposed to like you know what I mean like you have to be out Monday to Friday until like you know 1 a.m like fuck up your entire sleep schedule even though it's like crucial to some people's ability to truly survive the day you know what I mean and I imagine uh with chronic illness those two things don't particularly go hand-to-hand is that something you guys have experienced like like hearing like this idea that you need to hustle first of all and how has that been uh with your particular chronic illnesses
2: (coughs) yeah I mean that's definitely I mean that's literally all you hear when you first start a like oh you gotta grind 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 go to five mics a night mm-hmm. oh well i'm starting i'm starting at the, now there's no mic there but i'm starting at the austin then yeah. we're going to laughter luau and then we're going to yuck's amateur night and bouncing all over and if you're not doing all of that that whole circuit in a night you're you're not trying hard yeah. enough and yeah. you don't deserve booked spots or something like that um yeah. but i think and, then, and i and i definitely fell into that kind of self-destructive pattern early on because I, I literally was just diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was starting to do comedy. Like, it's it's all still very new to me. Like, I was only That's diagnosed in March of 2019. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. lots of, lots of problems before that. Like, could have probably very easily yeah. been diagnosed years and years earlier. But the formal diagnosis came in the, in March of 2019, and going out and then being a brand new comic then, going to all these different mics, like, I, it was not good for me. And I've learned and done a lot of you know uh, conferred with my psychiatrist and and done a lot of research where like sleep is literally the most important thing for mood disorders where like that's like my number one indicator is like oh i'm like about to spiral i only slept four hours last night and i have tons of energy and i'm talking as fast as eminem maybe a hypomanic episode is on its way and Mm -hmm. so now i think being able to set that boundary like i've learned a lot more about myself having this time during the pandemic and and going through the hospital and like you know really taking time in my recovery journey to be able to feel comfortable advocating for myself and being like like now even like sometimes when i do a book spot and they're like oh the show starts at 10 i'm like i need to go on early and i need to leave by 11 because i still have to drive back to richmond hill and get a good night's sleep otherwise i will be unwell and everybody's at least the the people that i've worked with all seem you know, everybody's been really accommodating, and really understanding, and I think oh, it's yeah, nice. just really important to to right, advocate it's for yourself
0: but too. Still a massive skill. Yeah, I think. I Sorry, think, Dan, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I was just gonna say I think people are getting better at that because I um, like I remember some like sometimes people being like oh like if someone was like like oh I can't make it I'm sick and they're like oh like you're like staying home because you're sick or whatever like like, all of a sudden like oh like poor baby has to take care of themselves so that they're in like good health condition. uh and I like there was even I remember during um yeah like when shows came back after COVID and I had to tell a guy like oh I can't make it to the show tonight I'm sick and then he's like as long as you don't have COVID I don't mind if you show up at the show I'm like no this is like for me less than like just like oh I'm not trying to covid yeah. i don't have covid i'm just like i'm not well and i need to like yeah take care of myself uh and i think people for the most part are getting better uh and uh it's again it is weird because that guy was just doing out of a supportive position he wanted me to be on the show um but it is one of those things where also like hustling and doing like what ryan said like going from show to show to show i'm like well yeah. i need to eat between that and i need to eat for the most part food that's not at the venues that i'm performing Ad because usually it's like, yeah, like burgers, fries, uh, whatever, like greasy like deep fried chicken fingers uh, like just like stuff that's the worst and even like if they have their like healthy menu might just be like a salad and even salad for me raw vegetables are no go so like sometimes I have to like make sure I've got my own little like cooked snack or find that like one secret item on the menu that you know won't screw me up tomorrow kind of thing Uh, so it is and so yeah like I, I find I can't do especially with a day job and also like a wife and a child and uh, who, you know, like I want to make sure I balance all those things so i can't just like do every single night all the time and like you know or you know and do the like ryan said like i'll have to ask like as well like hey can i be on earlier on this night and that's sort of i'm time.
0: very um pleased and heartwarming to hear that you guys are ha- mostly had a good reception of that and that comedy kind i think that's probably the case that that the good majority of people are understanding um it, the the odd person here or there who isn't can really make an impact like make you feel quite shit and excluded mm. um and i think uh some some of what i've experienced um immunity is is basically an attitude of like well you know none of us like to miss sleep or be out late or crappy food but you got it's yeah. like it's uh well you know two things one is um if you are like uh, spiraling after your sleep schedule's off then you might want to look into that like if you if you t- if you too are are having a really hard time with this you might yeah. want to look into that. If you're not, maybe you could be like a little compassionate that some people truly particularly struggle with this. It's not just like a, you know, no one likes it. It's like, no, no, it's crucial. Um, and I that I think that is something I've, I've noticed sometimes is like a, an attitude like, well, it's just the human conditions, what you do. It's like, no, it's oh. not the same thing.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I've, uh, yeah, like, I've seen that a lot. And even, like, doing, I also sometimes work in, like, film and TV, and you'll see people being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you gotta just, like, go from contract to contract, gig to gig, constantly doing stuff. And now people are starting to do, like, if I pick up a contract working in TV production, and I'll be like, look, this is my situation, uh, you know, I'll get your work done. I'll just be in the bathroom a lot more than the other people yeah. who work in our department. And, uh, you know, I'll also want to get home in time to yeah see my baby so that he knows i still exist and like you know stuff like that uh to try and balance yeah. all that uh so it is i mean and it is tough in the extra level but starting to like advocate a bit more for yourself and i think because unfortunately i feel like it takes someone celebrity yeah. or someone big you know like so having, like, Taylor Tomlinson talk about the stuff that she talks about, Mike Berbiglia or, you know, whoever else then that kind of gets people being like oh, alright, well then maybe, yeah this is something that we should consider yeah, this
0: may be cynical um but I think, you know, it's so unfortunate uh, I'll talk about mental illness because that's something I can chat about, um, you know it's been, uh you know, 60 years of comics having mental illness, <laughs> like dying from it and talking about it on, on stage and it's been a, yeah. it's it, it's a it's a plight among stand-up comics in particular and it, it's i think it's like this cycle over and over where people um people get through the industry in spite of their illness and in spite of people's uh attitude about mm. their illness and they push and push and push and then they succeed and get to a level where they can talk about it and then everybody's like it's wow i love hearing about that material there's on stage it's so impressive but a good majority of those people would have been you know frustrated with them for like leaving a show early or having a full traumatic trauma breakdown in the middle of a show whatever it is um and then it just cycles over and over again and it's it would be nice if that support started at a much lower level um so people don't have to like uh you know get much Mm. worse before they can succeed or just feel constantly isolated um i do think toronto is a particularly good city for that like um i don't have much i think toronto might be particularly supportive
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think we've all become so much more uh, compassionate a little bit more understanding since the pandemic too because like I mean people who had never once you know, people who would be considered as neurotypical who had never experienced any sort of challenges yeah. with, with mental illness or otherwise were thrust into this situation of isolation and and experienced symptoms of, of depression and isolation and anxiety and all of these different things uh, and I think it just made it's made us all a little bit more compassionate it, I, I think going back to what you said earlier Laura like there's a lot of talk there's been even more conversation still yeah. probably not a whole lot of action which is unfortunate if anything it's kind of resulted in less action because now there's more people demanding services with an already yeah. limited budget mm-hmm. at least that's been my experience in yeah. in trying to access services over the last couple of years where like it, it literally took me being in the hospital medicated and getting ECT treatments for 2 months to be able to access like yeah. a community funded CBT yeah program which Mm -hmm. is crazy for like that's a horrible (laughs) word to say which is which is unfortunate yeah trying to trying to police my language a little bit more. I mean, I do I do work in mental health. That's that's uh, that's
1: my bad. Um well no, I was mostly just agreeing with Ryan. Um and actually I wanted to bring things just quickly back because having seen both of you perform about a nice I've seen Lori, your bit about uh your ectopic uh yeah. pregnancy or whatever. Uh and when I saw it, it was hilarious. I like you did a really great I saw it at um I think Replay Storytelling and uh and same with uh Ryan. Uh yeah. Like, your stuff, like, when you hit that, like, seeing how, like, when you've hit that note of hitting, making that really dark thing or difficult to talk about thing, but you make it in a way that is really funny and also, you know, not like belittling the situation and acknowledging it, but it's also like it's got like lots of punch lines and also really addresses the emotional. Like that is where you get that high that you were talking about coming yeah. back from the Mae Martin show. Uh where then it's like, yeah, like you just feel so good having seen someone yeah, like articulate something like that. Uh anyhow. So I wanted to mention that, uh as well, even though it's it was relevant about fifteen minutes ago. Oh well this, this brings this to, to chronic I have- have ADD,
0: So I don't, I, uh, you know, I'm talking like huge blocks of conversation. And then I, I, it took me years to realize this, that people were always being like, and I just wanted to go back to something Laura, you said about 14 minutes ago, it, you know, always. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I just kept going. So no one had it end in. Um, but I also recently... I, I became quite sure I had ADD, so I, I, but I was like, oh, you're being so ridiculous. Like, that's, you know, everyone's self-diagnosis. So I told, I said to my sister, I was like, I was like you're going to think I'm being ridiculous and just like overanalyzing everything I do and overthinking and, and going on TikTok, but I think I might have ADD. And my sister was, I thought she was going to be like, you're being silly. She was like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, obviously. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's been glaringly obvious to you forever? I had no idea. I said, and I said, why, like, what makes you say that? And very, she meant this politely, but she was like, um, I just think some things are really hard for you and you think they're hard for everybody, but they're not. I was like, Oh, like I didn't, <laughs> I was like, like, wh- what do you mean? She's like, just like organizing yourself. I was like, Oh, that's not like a, uh, incredibly difficult mm-hmm. task for every person in the world. Um, anyways, um, ADD perfectly on, on mm-hmm. topic here. Um, but I was, yeah, I was also going to ask right. like, um, you know, okay. So one of the reasons, the, the, one of the reasons I was able to very, very quickly, quickly talk about my topic on stage was cuz um I just felt like I was going to be validated like I I knew that people were going to be like that sounds like a really hard thing to go through like I I knew that people would feel that way there's certain things I don't talk about on stage cuz I'm afraid that people will yeah be like just not validate it I guess or or not agree that it's challenging to go through or um you know if uh, uh, sometimes I want to talk about something on stage and I'm the secret hope is that a bunch of people will be like me too yes but I'm scared that no one's gonna, you know, relate. And I think, uh, I'm just, I'm curious if that's something that you guys mm-hmm. can relate
1: Uh, I mean for me for sure At first I was worried And there are times where Because it goes I think It's been wide swing for me Where sometimes Yeah like no one's Sometimes it seems like Either no one's into Hearing about it Or it's just like It isn't something that Like yeah like sort of That they can relate to And then other times Yeah like I'll be in What I thought was Yeah like I'm like Alright well whatever This is some dank bar show Dive bar And then someone's like Oh yeah I have Crohn's. Or once like I did a conference Where most of the people there Had crones or colitis or some other bowel disease. And then there it was like, oh like there like everyone was like, Oh, this is the Crohn's comedian and like he's saying like what yeah. we're all feeling and stuff like that and then like for like half an hour I'm like a celebrity. <laughs> I'm like a celebrity because I'm like the only one who Yeah, I was like, I am your leader or whatever. But uh so it is yeah, there sometimes it's like that side and then sometimes it is like and I've gone to the point where I'm like, you know what? If it doesn't hit home with anyone, that's fine, as long as if I can get a few chuckles out of it and And then if it does hit home then that's even better kind of thing
2: yeah Uh, i guess i guess my 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 response to that question too would be like uh i mean again i guess from from a mental illness standpoint like people are aware of mental illness people know about general right there's like some general knowledge out there about about many of the the things and and i think i think we you know we are as a society starting to talk a lot more about it i think uh we cover a lot of the surface area stuff you know where it's like people are comfortable like oh let's talk about depression oh you mean you were in bed for a day and you didn't and you didn't want to make dinner mm. you ate ramen oh i'm depressed too mm-hmm. but like they don't want to talk about like the hey i googled uh, wait con- content warning we're going to talk about suicidal ideation here uh right like oh i spent uh 3 days googling the least painful way of ending my life and mm-hmm. i have like 30 tabs open with different methods like nobody wants to talk about that and i think that's something that i mean i'm still that that's a particular thing that i've done that that i'm still trying to find the funny in maybe it's something like uh like like oh uh you know you, you get you kind of get clickbaited sometimes you click on those things and it's like oh top 10 easy ways to end your life and it's like some, some kind of, it links you to like a self help book mm-hmm. and you're like get out of here with that shit that's not what i wanted but but uh but no but like uh so, I think it's really important to, yeah, it, it's kind of scary to talk about those bigger, bigger things that are a little bit deeper than the surface level of like, okay are people gonna relate to the intricacies yeah. of of my suicidal ideation are people gonna relate because because i mean like i'm very very vocal and i'm thankful that i am because like that's how i wound up getting to the hospital I, uh, I i i literally i think the day before i went to the hospital i turned over to my girlfriend in bed and was like i want to say goodbye like thank you so much mm-hmm. when you go to sleep i'm gonna i'm gonna go do it and she stayed up all night and like did not yeah. sleep and made sure i was okay and then uh spoke with my mom yeah. and we took me to CAMH the next day but uh but like some people don't right not everybody talks about stuff that deeply and i think by continuing to have those conversations and dive deeper the more we talk yeah. about the more challenging things the more comfortable people will be to mm. talk about those things as well Certainly. and identify with that i always i feel i always feel so like narcissistic when i talk about shit like that i'm like no
0: no, yeah. no I'm it's, like, oh. oh man it's
1: you're a pi- I'm a pioneer. But
0: like... <laughs> Firstly, uh, there's something there with the, like you have a bunch of tabs open on your computer and so your computer dies and you get envious of the computer that like it was able to kill itself before you could kill yourself or like something there. <laughs> Um, But then the other thing I was thinking is that is sort of what I mean about this fear of like, I, a lot of people talk about the cute um, elements of all the things of, you know, depression, bipolar, uh, uh, addiction, severe, real anxiety disorder. They talk about all the like cute parts of it. And so sometimes you'll say, you know, you'll say to a crowd, like, you know, any depressed people here and the entire crowd cheers. But if you were to bring up like a true, a true uh, part of real depression, you're not going to get that like Big response and it and so I think it's uh, that's that's one of the things I struggle with is like mm-hmm i'm just not quite ready to just be like to just say this part of myself that feels so vulnerable and and then just like have dead air um so i commend you both for uh talking about it um Mm -hmm. i unfortunately uh we're at almost at an hour so i have to wrap up this truly compelling conversation that we're all having um so i just wanted to uh before i go is there anything uh upcoming for you guys you want to promote any shows any other podcasts anything
1: uh, Ryan, you want to go
2: first? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're both so polite these nice, boys. You go ahead. You yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. We've Ryan... we been cutting each other off the whole. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so one uh, I I run I I alluded to it many times. I run a mental health charity fundraiser show. It raises money for CAMH. It's called Mental Health H E L L T H because I'm a sucker for a good pun. Uh, we're currently without a home right now. We had a we had a scheduling issue with the venue, and I'm looking for a new accessible venue. I'm waiting to hear back from the CAMH Foundation if we can just start hosting it on site there, which would be amazing. Um, and then I'm also I also just got green to start teaching. A stand-up 101 for mental health class uh, at the Collaborative Learning College at CamH, and it's going to be kind of a peer support comedy instruction kind of thing. We're going to go around because, like, I mean, and I've been dealing with so much imposter syndrome about this. I'm like, who the hell am I to be teaching this class? But like, you know, if you take like, am I the best comedian? No. Am I the most uh, knowledgeable person to mental illness? No. But am I a working peer support worker and working in mental health and also? have a base knowledge of comedy how many people like that exist? so sure. yeah i'm gonna no, take a no, lot of no, flack no, no, for no. it in the community i'm sure you won't but uh oh you should see you should see old t-suck posts that's <laughs> yeah, a that's a that's a nod that's just for us of three literally fuck <laughs> but every single one of them. but yeah so that's hopefully really going to be harder. starting in <laughs> <laughs> That's hopefully <laughs> going to be starting in August, and it'll be it'll be open like anybody yeah. who self identifies. There's no limits or restrictions. Uh, we're gonna start it off as like a pilot, do it do it the one. I'm working with them. We're building out, making it all pretty with graphics and stuff. Uh, hopefully, it'll be in person because I know all the collaborative mm-hmm. learning stuff is online purely right now, but. Uh, but yeah i'm really 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 excited that about that and i guess would this be a place to like yeah
0: hell yeah, plug your like, handles, like handles yes. and
2: shit to be like hey if you want to hear about this class like whatever so uh i guess for for any and all shows that i'm running including my mental health fundraiser show for cam h and the other one-off things i do i do a monthly show in a brewery new market and other things like that uh it's at rye guy comedy shows on instagram and facebook and then uh, just me and what i do is also just at ryan Z or ryan z comedy at ryan z comedy for all fun updates on mental illness comedy Beautiful and fun. otherwise
0: i want to talk to you after about this this um uh class you're doing because i've been uh kind of developing similar for a while for children and i'm interested to hear about how you got into this yeah also i want to talk to you about it oh that's um, awesome yes. damn plugs
1: uh, so yeah, if you wanna find me, uh, be in the bathroom. No, um, I sorry, uh, I've I've got a show the first month of our first Saturday of every month at Comedy Bar, uh, 7 p.m. The n- next one will be. June 4th it's called Big Dumb Sh- Show uh, so it's a variety show it's not just uh, you know stand up and storytelling and stuff like that uh, Al Val will be headlining she's really great and uh, I also do I've started doing a monthly uh, show that I do called World Class Comedy at MB the place to be it's a last Thursday of every month it's a this Filipino restaurant bar in North York because uh, I wanted a place that's mm-hmm. a- is closer to my people where I live. Uh instead of always having to drive downtown to do comedy. And uh if you want to find me for on any of the social medias, TikTok and so on, it's at Dan the Guy Rosen. G-U-Y. Dan the guy Rosen. Uh and uh yeah, that's where you can find me where all my memes about being a dad, Crohn's disease, uh Jewish <laughs> stuff, all that stuff. A little bit of each, Jewish you know, mix it all together. That's
0: that's most of what you you'll find on my page too we didn't even well do we're do all three jo- jews i mean yeah. we talked about chronic <laughs> illness and mental illness and bowel disease i feel like those were all inherently jewish subjects you know? <laughs> guys thank you Very so jewish, much yeah there's a no, no, by the way
1: there's ahead. a great no. oh so i was just gonna say there's a great facebook group called jew book colon posting and it's just all jewish people making jokes about their that's bowel right. problems that's what,
0: that's what we've needed for a while now um all right listen uh thank you guys so much for for joining me i so enjoyed chatting with you guys and um uh everyone listening go check them out go check out all their handles go follow dan to the bathroom follow ryan to the bathroom follow me to the bathroom let's all meet in the bathroom and uh <laughs> we'll see you guys soon
1: thanks a lot all right this is great thank you so much This episode has been brought to you by Looking Back, Moving Forward, 160 Years of Jewish Life in B.C. Published by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia for their 50th anniversary, this elegant volume is a -a once-in-a-generation collection of Jewish life and history throughout the province. Order your copy today at jewishmuseum.ca.